Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm Sue Heilbronner, your host, and Real Leaders is the podcast that generally gives you real leadership stories behind some superb leaders in my world. Lately, we've started these sessions that we call Conscious Leadership Ask Me Anything sessions, and they relate to the conscious leadership work we do at Leadership Camp. You can learn more about Conscious Leadership Camp for Leaders, our half-day mini camps, and our Conscious Couples Camp at www.leadership.camp. So just to give you some context for these episodes, anyone who's attended any of our leadership camps gets to come and join us once a month for an Ask Me Anything, just to talk about any conscious leadership issue they have going on in their life or in their leadership. And that is what you are about to hear. So. I don't know what'll happen. I guess you don't either. Let's see. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's call. And I'm curious, does anyone have anything they'd like to talk about today? I do. Great. Uh, this is Anya. Super. Go ahead, Anya. What would you like to talk about? I need a refresher on how to stay above the line, especially when I find myself um, stressed because things are you know, tough or I don't get enough sleep, going below the line seems to be my first response when something happens that isn't ideal. And I struggle with that because it's not fair to the other person. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm trying to overcome. Okay, so first of all, for those of you listening who don't know what Anya is talking about, in this conscious leadership work, We try to put our attention on context instead of content. So the how we are approaching issues as much or more than the what we're actually talking about. And one way we think about context is to divide it between a state that is open or above the line and a state that feels more closed, contracted, defensive, or grounded in fear, which is below the line. And Anya knows that we spend most of our time below the line because that's sort of the normal state of being. And so the first question I want to ask Anya is, when you are below the line, are you willing to simply allow yourself to be below the line, to acknowledge it and to be okay with that just being a pretty normal state of human existence? Uh, No, I struggle with that too because I I know that it's not the ideal state. So I feel bad being below the line. I feel bad about myself being below the line. And the challenge in that is when you feel bad or shame yourself or blame yourself for being below the line, in that moment, are you above or below the line? Yeah, below the line. Yeah. So it can get a little it can get a little painful because what can happen is we can get below the line about being below the line, which is an extremely, you know, an even more stressful state. So one of the things as conscious leaders we want to pay attention to is first understanding what is keeping us below the line what we're most attached to. So as you look across your universe at your common below the lineness. Can you find any common themes, themes that might arise as unconscious commitments that you're holding? What are you most attracted to below the line? Um, failure, I think, you know, not getting things done, like you said, as fast as I wanted them done or not as well as I wanted them completed. 
Yeah, and any any state less than ideal, this is my whole perfectionism that that I struggle with here. Anything less than ideal has me done usually. Great. So what I hear over there is just sort of an unconscious commitment to A, uh, well, I don't know if you have an unconscious commitment to perfectionism. It sounds like you have a (laughs) conscious commitment to perfectionism, Uh, an unconscious commitment to finding fault in whatever it is that you create, and then an unconscious commitment for shaming yourself for not being perfect. Right. Yeah, that sums it up. Can you find some of the benefits you're getting from this system you have your it will just call this this isn't all of you right Anya this is just part of your operating system and you're the CEO of a growing venture funded company so can we just find some of the benefits you're getting that you think you're getting at least from operating this way hmm you know the first thing that comes to mind is by going below the line and telling myself stories about why the other person didn't do what I wanted them to do is then they, they, they fail too, right? So maybe then I don't feel so alone in not being perfect. Huh. So you bring other people in. It's not just blame of yourself. You also have a habit of blaming other people along with you. Yeah, I think I'm, and like I said, I I noticed it's especially bad when I'm, when things are stressful, which of course is a lot of the time being a CEO of a growing venture funding company, that, that I tell myself stories about why things happened, you know, that an employee might have done, for example, um, or, you know, why maybe an investor passed on our company and, and it's not useful. It sucks energy. And I wish I could just find the off switch, but I haven't found it yet. Yeah. So what this work wants you to do, instead of, you're just, re, you're just repeating exactly the same pattern. So the yeah. pattern is missing the mark and then blaming yourself and sometimes blaming other people. And right. then you're actually blaming yourself for blaming yourself. Yep. So it's just a downward spiral of self-blame. And every now and then you bring someone else in for company. You bring one of your employees into the shame and blame cycle. Mm -hmm. And I still want to capture, like what we get as conscious leaders is simply telling ourselves, hey, Anya, buck up, change, shift, get happy (laughs) about missing the mark. How does that go for you? Yeah, it doesn't work so well. It doesn't work so well. So we really want to understand, and we're not, I don't think we're quite there. So I get that when you bring other people in and you get to blame them, you have company. But I think you're missing some of the key benefits that this pattern gives you. And we want to understand them because until we can actually understand why we're doing something and accept ourselves for doing it, it's almost impossible to shift a behavior. Mm-hmm. So- We've got this, we've got a, it's really just a habit. That's all. We've got a habit of, of perfectionism and inner critic getting involved and saying we didn't miss the mark and then inner critic doubling down and saying, uh, getting upset with us for blaming ourselves for missing the mark. Very, very, it's like a, it's like to the nth power of self-blame. So Mm -hmm. what 
benefit are you or your business getting from this pattern? There has to be at least one. What I can think of is maybe if I'm the only one that's at fault, then I'm in control, right? So it gives me a sense of control at least, even though I may not have done what I wanted to do. If I'm the one that messed it up, then I don't have to accept that I really am not always in control, right? I cannot control other people or venture funds. Um, And I have to accept that the outcome isn't always what I want it to be. But if you control the screw-ups, at least you're in control. Right. And I'll put screw-ups in quotes because I don't believe that. I know that's a story. Okay, that's that's a great benefit. The benefit of the story of control. Mm -hmm. I I see at least one more. So I just want to ask if you can find, I'm sure there are many more, but if you see another one. I don't know. The only other thing I can think of is that it, you know, it's, I'm used to doing it. So it's comfort in a way. Uh, As messed up as that sounds. Yeah, that's a great, that's probably the most common reason people stay below the line. And so, you know, you get on this call and you're like, I just want to be above the line. (laughs) And then you realize, but it's really comfortable doing the way, this, the way I've been doing it probably since I was two. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure in preschool, you were super perfectionistic. So I think there's another benefit, which I think is really important and not necessarily unique to startups, founders and CEOs, but certainly quite common, which is there's a way, you know, when you have a job, when you are the director of whatever it is at a large company, there's obviously still tons of creativity and there can be a lot of entrepreneurial mindset in that role. But very mm-hmm. often you have top down, you have KPIs, you have metrics, you have OKRs, you're supposed to complete them. If you complete them in the quarter, you know that you're good, you're solid. The difference is when you're a startup founder, your OKR is infinity. In fact, sometimes what right. your unconscious OKR is, I want to have a valuation as big as Google's. So it's, it's, it's really almost <laughs> endless, the amount of work you can do, yeah. especially if you read TechCrunch. So you should just stop that. That's like reading medical stuff on the internet. So that's fine, right? That's that unreachable. But the benefit of that pattern is it makes you perform better and it makes your company yeah. stronger and it makes yeah. you surprise people by what you're able to create. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so what I would say is in this moment, could you just accept yourself for being where you often are, which is below the line around this pattern? Could you, and I'm actually, it's not rhetorical. Are you willing to accept yourself for that pattern? I need to work on that. It's not an easy yes. You know, I want to say yes. It feels like it would feel good. But then as soon as I play with that thought and I think, so what would it feel if I accepted that that's how I am? Then, you know, the, the dark side comes and says, yeah, but then you're not. So it's a struggle. But I would like to make the commitment to work on that. And if I hear the, the thoughts of, well, you weren't perfect, I will commit to being more conscious of the fact that not being perfect is a normal state of mind and I need to be okay with who I am. 
I mean, that sounds good. That sounds super rosy. And that sounds like what a typical (laughs) self-help book would tell you to do if you picked one up, right, on Amazon or at the bookstore right now. And, And what's true over here is that I don't believe you. And I believe that if you follow that recipe, what you will do is just create more ways to blame yourself. Yeah. For not meeting this commitment. Right. True. It's one more commitment I can fail on. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not do that. Okay. Let's, Let's just not. For now, let's just be with the fact that you are in resistance to this pattern. And for now, let's just notice an unconscious commitment that's here, potentially to being more committed to blaming yourself than you are to leveraging open creative space in your brain. Do you see yeah. that? Yeah, I do. And, and the, what I notice also is if you have an unconscious commitment to being in blame, to blaming yourself for missing the mark, over time under that commitment is just another unconscious commitment to quote unquote missing the mark. Yep. And for now, even if you're not willing to accept it, and even if you're just in resistance to that, I just want to suggest that for now, that's what's here. And pushing yourself to do the opposite is just a function of the same pattern. So when I suggest the idea of how you are committed, how you are more committed to blaming yourself than you are to easeful creativity in your leadership, Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does strongly. Okay. So just to understand the extent of that pattern and how you're playing it out in your leadership, let's Mm -hmm. walk through that. And people are listening to this. So if you're listening to this, take your own unconscious commitment. What Anya is, Anya is a very successful CEO. And the reason that we're pointing toward this unconscious commitment is that right now her conscious commitment of being super light and super easy with letting things go and not make it, it ain't working. (laughs) So we want to understand her unconscious commitment a little more. So Anya, if you, there are a bunch of CEOs that are going to be listening to this. And if Mm -hmm. you would like to train them on how to care more about self-blame then open easeful creativity in their business. If you wanted to give them a training class in that, by explaining your own way you do this, how would you teach them to do this your way? What little things would they have to do? Um, Well, you have to start by setting the bar very, very high, like Google valuation kind of high because you want to make sure you you can't meet it because if you set it too low and you meet it easily, well, then you have success. And well, then what do you do? That's a, I don't know. So you have to have the bar really high. Um, And then you constantly strive to meet that goal and you work and you work and you work. And each time you fail, then you can basically say, there, I knew it. You didn't do it. Now you have to work harder and then you work harder. And by doing that, you will drive yourself much more than you might otherwise. And it leads to a lot of successful outcomes. 
not the Google valuation, hence you keep striving, but you do push yourself really hard that way. And what else should I do like on weekends to help really ensure this pattern is locked down? What, when I am taking time for myself, what should I do? Well, and of course, you have a really long list of things that you get that you want to accomplish on over the weekend because you couldn't get to them through, you know, throughout during the week. So you aren't going to just sit there and rest. You're going to, you know, have a list of the yard has to get done and you want to get all these shopping items done and maybe paint one of the bedrooms while you're at it and and declutter a couple of closets and, you know, Pretty soon the weekend is over and you haven't gotten half of your list done. And then, ta-da, you get to feel bad about that. But you did get a lot of work done over the weekend and the house looks better than it did before. So Yeah, that's the key thing. So that's a great example of a benefit of this pattern. And it's one of the reasons it's really hard to give this pattern up. Because you can see, you can start to believe when you have a pattern like this, Anya, and lots of people listening have a pattern like this, even if it's not exactly this way, you can start to believe that if you stop looking at life from a perfection mindset, then you won't accomplish anything. It can get really binary in your head. It's falsely binary. It's like it's yeah. either this way or nothing. Um, yeah. Because this is, it's not your DNA. You imagine it's just a persona. It's just a really strong persona that you're used to using as a tool, consciously or unconsciously, but it can get really, really scary to let it go. So for now, what I would say to you and anyone listening who's got one of these patterns working, control is another, uh, Anya referred to control, but there's a different control pattern where the end game is just controlling everything. And lots of people that are running that pattern realize I'm so in control that I'm not that I'm depriving myself of connection with people because mm -hmm. I'm so busy controlling them. That's a different pattern. So whatever that pattern is, what I'd like you to do in the smallest details is just to notice when it shows up. Yeah. Just, just notice like how I'm eating my dinner. What am I bringing to that experience? Um, how I'm reading a book at night, how I'm choosing which books to read for pleasure how I'm having coffee with a friend and just pay attention to see if you can spot how often that persona is running the game for now. Okay. And just love her. She's been serving you incredibly well for a long time. Okay. Because in order for you to let her go now and then in order for you to give her permission to take a break and go on vacation for a couple of days and accept <laughs> The first thing you have to do is just love her and see all of the gifts she's, she's provided you in your life. Make sense? Yep. Well, as an investor in your company, just from over here, what I really get is I can really see how that pattern has served your company well, and we're intentionally not talking about the name of your company right now. But I can really see because there are other features of your company that fit into this pattern. Uh, one of them is creating a really large physical project product that's really expensive to build. Mm -hmm. Another is making sure that that product is so beautifully designed that it meets the very highest design standards as well as the highest functionality standards. It's almost impeccable, the product that yeah. you've created. Thank you. Yeah. And what I also it's can beautiful. see, what's that? It is beautiful. 
It's so beautiful. Now, what I also can see from over here is that a really narrow focus on perfection probably sometimes is going to help you miss a little side path off your main road that might allow you to get to whatever that goal is in a way that actually employs play and ease and sort of a fortuitous connection. And I can just see that that can become a blind spot if I'm running this pattern. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for raising that. Thank you for your thoughts that I will practice that. Okay. Or just don't. Just don't. Right. Just just don't. Just suck at it for a while. Yes. Suck at practicing it. <laughs> try that instead. Okay. okay. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else that they'd like to raise? I have one that's tied into that a little bit. Okay. I am the the loop that I've found myself in recently is between this the kind of mindset of play and rest and, and ease that y'all were just talking about versus an internal, I think, desire to plan and like to know what's coming up in the future. Mm. And there are times when I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, if I allow everything to be or be in this moment, am I putting at risk, what am I not planning for that are pitfalls that might show up in the future? And just the anxiety that comes up after that. How's playing going? It's really fun. <laughs> and it's, it's been a really nice, uh, you know, I've, I've taken the last short bit of time to really play and explore and hold things intentionally lighter. And I, there's a specific deadline that's coming up for me uh, where resources will get a little bit tighter. And I think that's like that wall in front of me is causing me to start doubting what's, uh, what's in front of me right now. And out of curiosity, who, who set the specific deadline? I suppose I did. (laughs) Um, Mostly me. Okay. And the wall, you get that the wall is a story. Yeah, I think so. Some days it feels more, um, more solid than others, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. And when I listen to you talk, I just hear, so what it sounds like is happening over there, it sounds like a very normal cycle of kind of above and below the line. It sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, like there's lots of play and rest and ease and uh, a lot of above the line stuff happening. And then the go-to drift, I don't mean consciously go-to, but the drift move that you're spotting is – Uh, some kind of should around paying attention to this alleged wall in front of you, right? Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like um, it feels like running and then tripping and then gaining a step again. Yeah. Of like, Oh, okay. Everything is great. Oh crap. Little voice in the back of my head pops in and says, you really should be thinking about this thing over here. And then I think my natural reaction as a sort of anti-conflict based person is to go, yeah, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. Right. Go back to the, but I can be playing now. So I'll focus on now, but I'm ignoring this thing over here. And that's, that's the loop that happens. I see. 
Yeah. So no, so either way you're bad, right? Like either way, if you're playing, you're being conflict averse. <laughs> it, it, there's like really no way to win in this situation. I can see why you think it has parallels to Anya's situation yeah. that she raised. And just for people listening, this person who's speaking now uh, gave up a senior level job in a tech startup and is now exploring, doing lots of exploration. And it's interesting because as I listen to you talk, and I've heard you talk about this before, almost all the time you talk about this, here's how it goes. You'll say, yeah, well, I had this great adventure and I went and did this and I went and did this and then I went and did this. And then when I got back on email, I had three new companies that wanted me to do some work for them. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's true. Yes. And it sounds like, you know, in some ways when I hear you describe it, it's exactly the same pattern as how you're living your life. It's like, things are going well. I'm having an adventure, blah, 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 blah. And then, ah, there's that wall in front of me. Mm. And what it sounds like, and I think you know this, Keith, this just sounds like an upper limit. Yes. And I think the thought that I have on that is how do I similar to what Anya was saying, how do I get past that is the question I want to ask. Yeah, well, in your situation, I might just honor, like, number one, is this something that you need to get past? I'm curious. It really, how's, how, how's life right now? How's the dynamic going? I mean, on all counts, really, really well. It feels good. Okay, so we have these little moments, we're running, things feel good. I actually think they feel good even when you quote unquote trip, which is your word. So this is how it works with above and below the line. We're running, we're having a great flow experience, things are wonderful, we're learning, we're playing, doing all the things we thought we'd do when we left that job. And then we trip because we get caught up in whatever society stories about what we should be doing or something about the bank account or um, an uncertainty about whether those three emails from prospective clients will keep coming routinely once every couple months because, you know, who can be sure? And then we just go below the line and we stew in that for a little while. And, and it sounds, and listening to you and having listening to you over the last few months around this, like... The actual shift from that stewing is actually pretty quick. Absolutely. So I guess I would say, like, what's the, where's the wisdom in the stewing? Like, when I listen to you, it sounds, well, oh, that sounds, you know, a little stewing. That sounds smart. Can you find the wisdom in it? I think there's, there is a story where it's a healthy check and balance of, you know, just a, an occasional check-in kind of thing. I mean, say that with a question mark. I can, yeah, because the next thought in my head was, but it feels like crap every time it comes up. Yeah. Huh. And it's not intentional. Yeah. It catches you. Is that what you mean? That the, it's the, the thinking. tripping thing. It's the, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. And I might just say like, man, thank God for, thank God for tree roots. You know, yeah. I just wonder if you could just find the wisdom in this entire pattern. Cool, I stop running and check my email and find out there are new clients there. Glad I tripped. Yeah, I have some appreciation for it. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's here for me is um, I'm just wondering if you're allowing yourself to experience the full range of your emotions while you're running. 
you say more about that? The way our systems are organized, our sort of neural systems are organized, we tend to put much more attention on things that feel like struggles than we do on things that feel like successes. So even hearing you talk, my story about you is like, you've totally inverted above and below the line. My story is that you're like 90% above the line, 10% below the line. And, but, but that you're, you're inflating those momentary trips. And I have a story that you're deflating or de-emphasizing the experience of flow that you're having while you're running. Yeah. The, the question, the initial question I had before hearing the first part of the call was actually around the seriousness and, and versus play Uh commitment or choice. Yeah. And things feel very playful. And I, for a long time, I, I have a pattern of wanting things to be serious. Yeah. So the other, I, there is maybe a way that I'm not acknowledging the, the full playness of it. Or at I least mean, people wait. I'm checking with you right now. I have the benefit of seeing you right mm-hmm. now. And you look super clear eyed and light and fluid. And I just wonder, like, right now in this moment, what emotions are here? Joy. And, a, like, a lot of calm joy. Mm-hmm. And a little little tingling anxiety or fear. Like, the back of, back of my shoulders are a little tense. Yeah, great. And that's where I might just, I, again, I think the trips are probably really of service. Mm-hmm. Usually fear arises when there's something we want to put our attention on unconsciously. So pay attention when it shows up. What is something we might want to put our attention on? You know, where is there a place of security that I'm missing right now? Authentically missing. I'm missing. Not the society is telling me. Not Society will talk about my bank account, but and maybe that's the place, but I, I'm not sure I believe that. Like, where are there other places of security I'm missing? Just in case there's something new there for you to watch as you're sort of rambling around the world in this current iteration of life. Yeah. And then the other thing, what's that? I like that. I I think my brain goes towards the society, like what should I be doing? But the, what would be security for me in this moment is something I haven't actually spent a lot of time on. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing I notice is you're rambling all around the world doing whatever you want and you keep coming to these calls. And I imagine this is probably just a place of security. And just keep paying attention. When you feel like you're in flow, what emotions are in it? may be whole bunches of emotions. But just see if you would allow yourself to be in those emotions in their fullness. They'll pass. They'll pass in 60 or 90 seconds. That joy, that tingling anxiety, which, by the way, also might be joy, um, whatever. But just see if you can find them in your body and just stay with them and really feel them for whatever amount of time you get to feel them so that your system gets used to that new level of happiness and freedom. Mm -hmm. And also notices the places where freedom isn't maybe the be-all, end-all. Sounds like a really healthy inquiry as you think about the next phase of what life is for you. Thanks. Anything else today? Hi, Rebecca. Hi. I'm so happy to be here because I'm really gaining a lot hearing your perspective 
how you're addressing their questions. And this is the first one for me. So hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca, and I'm happy to be here. And I'll tell you what the niggling doubts that I'm going through are. When I'm confronting my own team, I feel very secure. I feel I'm encouraging to my team. I'll tell you where it is that I have these insecurities. And that is, like, for example, a much more heavily well-funded company, they already have $21 million of funding, which isn't huge, but relative to me, it's a lot. And they want to learn more, more about what we're doing. And they wanted to set, they set up a meeting for Thursday. And I thought to myself, Wait, I just want to pause for a second, Rebecca, and we'll keep this kind of anonymous. So, because this this is being recorded and other people listen to it. Um, Yeah. So I love the phrase they set up a meeting, like with you or or like by themselves. Well, yeah, it's a two way thing. It's a good way because you know what? That's a very good point. I feel a lack of control, but what I did do is. Thank God our company is on board with Cooley. That's our legal uh, law firm. And I set up a meeting with my lawyer to see what he recommends. They suggested a meeting with the chief scientific officer and me, which means what I think they're saying is they want to learn what we're doing. And I'm afraid that what they're thinking of doing is learning the stuff we're interested in. They have so much more money they could go ahead and try to copy it, get it done faster than us. And you know, I'm so self-confident when I address the team and when I'm dealing with my director of computational linguistics and my data science lead. And now when it's coming to facing the outside world, I feel a little ill at ease. And even I sent my pitch deck to a known venture capital firm They sent back, they think this is a great market with great tailwinds, and they're going to share it with a few of their partners. And if they want to move on it, we'll hear from them in 48 hours. Again, I felt I'm not in control here. I'm not like saying, well, I'm talking with several venture capitalists, which I am trying to do, and we'll see who to go with. I feel like you're right, (laughs) like they're controlling the things. And I'm a little, cog in this maelstrom that so i'm trying to regain my self-confidence and know how to do the right thing so that's why i like this whole title of conscious leadership how do i seize the control back and be a conscious leader that really does the right thing with god's help so okay well i can't speak for god but i'll speak for how i would apply concepts of conscious leadership to this to this thought process So, Rebecca, remember that there's that distinction between living in a to-me consciousness or context. Remember, there are facts, right? Facts. The, The content is, apparently there's another company called X, and apparently they've raised $21 million, and your company is called Y, and your company has raised less than that. Don't give me any more details. It doesn't matter. But those are facts, Okay. And the rest is context. And so the first thought I have for you is, how familiar is it to come into a situation from a context of being 
below, smaller than, stepped down in relation to another person or party? Does that feel familiar to you in your life? Yeah. No, <laughs> because what, before I entered this world, I was studying for a PhD. I almost completed my PhD in math at Yale. If I went to a conference, I was one of the people I sometimes presented. I was one of the people that was like, oh, you're at Yale. I was like in the top echelon and I was looked upon as this positive force. I overall, I've enjoyed, thank God, this super self-confidence that I don't feel like a little thing. I feel like I'm treated with respect and I'm in the, in the upper part. <laughs> so no, I'm not used to this feeling of you're this little person now and these other people are perhaps objectively considered in a better position. Huh. What do you think the differences are between this situation and your whole rest of your life? The difference is that I'm sort of made to feel that I'm really not in control. It's a control issue. It's like in other situations, I feel at least I have a fighting chance. And when I'm in this situation, on the other hand, I'm, I'm made to feel like I'm the, almost a pawn that things are being done to, and it's very uncomfortable for me. And do you see the part, you, I, keep, I just keep coming back to the statements that you're making sound very to me, like you're at the effect of circumstances. So I'm made to feel like there's something about fundraising that you have, that you, you think that a company that's raised more money has a better chance than the company that's raised less money. Not necessarily, but if they find out exactly what we're doing, they'll have our knowledge be able to get at our technology and implement it faster possibly. So are, are you just trying to prove to me that you're right, that you are in fact at a disadvantage? No, I'm trying, trying to see whether the best way out of the situation, I have seriously thought of canceling the meeting and saying, you know what, we're not ready to have such a discussion at this time. What leads you to believe that this decision is something, again, even in, it's, it's, it's general, I mean, I'm not saying it's not wise to send something to your lawyer, that sounds like good behavior, but even in that, like you're being at the effect of a lawyer's opinion of this meeting. No, no, I would, when I speak with my lawyer, what's great about him is I set the facts and then he gives me the choices. And, and he gives me his advice, but I always feel that I then can act on it or I could decide in another way. Okay. So just for fun, can we just play with the possibilities that, uh, let's just play with the alternate reality. So what might be possible as an outgrowth? So let's just see if we can find a way to think of this from more of a by me consciousness because we've spent a lot of time in the unconscious commitments on this call, and I feel like you're not seeing some of the possibilities of this meeting. So just for kicks, what might some of the possibilities be, positive possibilities? The positive thing would be if they say, you know what, what you're doing is really interesting, and maybe we can set up some sort of merger that would be great for both companies, or a strategic alliance that would be good for both. And at the end of the day, when I listen to you talk again, I just want to remind you that 
you have complete discretion on what you share in any meeting on any deal terms that are negotiated in any kind of potential structure between the two companies, that that's, that's one option of what might be possible, that there may be other options. And just reminding you that for some reason, and I don't, I don't exactly know why, what I want you to check on is to find the places where you actually have agency over what you share in this meeting any kind of deal terms you negotiate. And what I want to check on is, are you willing to suspend any stories you have about any power disparity and go into this meeting from a buy me consciousness? Are you willing to do that? I'm willing to do it if it's best. Well, I'm not even saying whether you do the meeting or not. Are you willing to just consider this entire opportunity? When I look at this, I see a lot of greenfield, like, because they don't have any control about what you share or don't share in your meeting. And, and, and then the other thing is like, whether you meet with them at all is entirely up to you. So why did you agree to the meeting? I did think that a strategic alliance with a bigger company uh, could be symbiotic. They said it in a very positive way that, that maybe there are synergies between the two companies. I just, then was made to feel differently when I encountered people who said, well, they have so much more funding than your company does, they would be able to basically do a buyout or something or take advantage of you. And that's when I began to feel insecure. Okay, so for now, I would just pay attention to all the places where you're letting your power go here. Uh, in relation to other people's opinions, to the market stories about who has more power in a discussion, to any story you have about what you need to or don't need to share, to any story you have about what kind of company combination might be nurturing and positive for you and might not be. I would just like notice all of the places where you're feeling like there's any kind of should there or any kind of predisposed answer to these questions. And I see what you're saying. You know what? I'm feeling like a burden has been lifted. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg once said, take your foot leg off my arnex. Great. That sounds good. And I love the invocation of RBG. And what I would suggest is your foot is on your neck. So I would just stay present to the idea. It's, you're very flexible. So stay present to the idea that the only person weighing you down is you. And all of that sounds extremely exciting to me and very positive. Just Rebecca, feedback I want to give you ahead of this meeting is there's a way that it's very, very subtle, but there's a way that, and I think it happens when you get nervous or you feel pressured or you feel like you don't have 100% control. My story is there's a way you can come across as defensive or closed. And so I would just notice that without giving away the farm, you are actually in complete control and see if you can pay attention when you're, when you're over explaining something, when you're giving too many reasons, when you're trying to prove yourself or prove something, when you're in that efforting, I think there, it feels like there's less air in the room. So if you want to come at this from a place of abundance and a place of possibility, do a really good job of listening 
and a really good job of managing what you say and don't say as the agent of how this meeting is co-created with you and these other people. Does that make sense? You know, I, I, it does because it's feeling very empowering what you're saying, because before I heard anyone, I felt what we're doing is far bigger vision and more exciting than what they're doing. If I take away the fact that they have more funding, we're doing so much more. It's a bigger thing. And I feel normally, had I not listened to other people, I would have been going in feeling, if anything, the bit of the upper hand. They're anxious to meet with us. They're the ones making this overture. So why should I think about one little fact of money as stopping us from operating as equals in the conversation and seeing what we could come up with? But this advice, I think, should carry over always. Do I feel and look more self-confident now than when I first asked this question? You do. I think you should print out a little picture of RBG and just take it with you into the meeting. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's a good idea. Thank you so much. I My really pleasure. Well, there you go. Another chapter in the Conscious Leadership Ask Me Anything, brought to you by Leadership Camp. Now, this is a weird URL. It's www.leadership.camp. If you enjoyed this Conscious Leadership AMA, come join us for a leadership camp and learn more. Or let me know on Twitter at TellSue, T-E-L-L-S-U-E. If you really enjoyed this session, go review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being with us again this time. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. 